he wakes up at 6 a.m. and he goes and writes right away for an hour and a half, 6 to 7.30. Then he takes a half hour break for breakfast with his family, 7.30 yeah. to 8. So he's got a half hour. Not many people have breakfast for a half hour. He's got a full half hour with his family for breakfast. Then from 8 to 9.30, he writes for another hour and a half. From 9.30 yeah. to 10, he spends that time with his wife for a half an hour. Then from 10 to 11.30, he writes for an hour and a half. Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. Could you build a creative business in just two hours a day? Hi there, my name is Brian Collins and welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast. And that's a question we're going to answer in this week's interview with the author Dane Maxwell. But before we get into the interview, I want to share some insights about a creative idea that I've come across recently, which is helping me bring some order to all of my notes and research. You see, if you're a nonfiction writer, and I write a lot of nonfiction, your research is key for your articles or for your books. You need a way of extracting what you read in books, in articles that you've come across and in your research. And you need a way of taking all those extracts and putting them into one place that you can refer to regularly. Now, over the years, I've tried a couple of different tools and approaches for this. I've clipped and saved articles to Evernote, but then I found that it became quite big and difficult to wade through all of these notes. And I've also experimented with using a commonplace book, which is something the author Ryan Holiday recommends. And that simply involves writing down ideas on index cards and filing them in a box or in some sort of filing system, you know, in your office or wherever you write. And both of those approaches can work quite well. But what I found was I had information in my commonplace book. I had information in Evernote, in a journal, in my Kindle highlights, in Pocket, which I use for reading articles, in photos on my phone, in text files, and so on. In other words, all of my notes were in multiple different places. And I didn't really have any one place where I could go and look for everything. Now, it's not necessarily about the tool because you can use Evernote to fix this problem. And I know so many people have done this. But what I've come across is a technique called the slip box or Zettelkasten, as it's called in German. And it was a system that was created by the German author and sociologist Nicholas Luhmann, who wrote dozens of books during his lifetime. But essentially what you do is write a single idea down. It could be on an index card, it could be in an Evernote entry, or if you're like me, it could be inside of day one. You write the single idea down and then you write your reaction to it. And the idea is that you add to that note over time. So you'll add a second note that builds upon what you've learned about that idea in questions. So you kind of ask yourself questions about your research and probe yourself or push yourself in different directions. The idea is that you write from the bottom up rather than the top down. What do I mean by top down? Well, top down is where you consider a topic that you're interested in, such as creativity or productivity or thrillers if you're writing fiction, and you go ahead and write about that. Writing from the bottom up involves looking at what's captured your attention in your notebook or slip box and then using those as inspiration for what you're going to write about. If you're writing nonfiction, you really need a system that you can use. And having that system is more important than the tools or your technique. That said, if you want to learn a little bit more about the slip box, there's a great book on Amazon that I recommend you buy. It's called How to Take Smart Notes and it'll walk you through the steps of setting one up using an analog or digital tool. And I'm also going to write an article about this, which I'll publish in Medium, and I'll share that with you when it's ready. 
You can also Google the Zettelkasten method, that's Z-E-T-T-E-L-K-A-S-T-E-N, to learn more about this technique. Of course, having a technique or system is one thing. There comes a time when you need to turn your ideas into a book, into a product, or even into a business so you can earn money as a creative. How long does all of that take? Well, according to Dane Maxwell, the author of Start From Zero, Build Your Own Business and Experience True Freedom, you can do it in just two hours a day. Dane Maxwell is the founder of several software as a service businesses. And in this week's interview, he explains how you can build your business in just two hours a day. And he talks about what you should do if you want to increase your profits rapidly. He also gets into how to balance the ideas that you have with figuring out what readers or students or customers or clients will actually pay for. And towards the end of the interview, he explains why he liked James Patterson's writing routine so much and how it helped him write his new book. But I started by asking Dane how to build a business in just 120 minutes a day. You would do that by stop trying to be an expert at something and just focus on building two skills, sales skills and outsourcing skills. And within that, you'd want to rewire your entire orientation around sales so that you see selling as a loving, gentle, noble act. And when you get real deep in your unconscious, that selling can be gentle, selling can be loving, and selling can be noble. It becomes a very enjoyable process because every single person on the planet has a dormant inner salesman or an active one, right? But you know, children are naturally amazing at selling. And then somehow we start thinking along the way, we don't know sales, but the belief blocks the natural innate ability to want to serve someone, which is the true orientation of sales. So you know, if you did sales and you, you got on a conversation with someone and you could be happy no matter the outcome of that conversation, like you could be happy whether they bought whatever you were selling or not. If you have that sort of unconditional happiness, you can actually really serve them where they're at and not force them into something that might not be good for them. So selling is the first and selling is such a beautiful act when done with, with real beautiful intentions. And then after you've sold, then you outsource. So if you're going to build a business in two hours a day, it requires you to take away some of the activities that would otherwise make it an eight-hour day. And most of the activities in a business are spent doing the technical aspects of that business. Whether you're a neurosurgeon, a LASIK eye surgeon, a dog walker, or a plumber, most of your time is spent in business doing the technical aspects. Unfortunately, that doesn't really ever build wealth unless you're in a really, really unique situation or category. So first, stop trying to be an expert. Second, sell. And then third, outsource what you sold. Gotcha. That'll do it. So yeah, there's a couple of points that brings up. So when I started my business a couple of years ago, like many people who write, I thought there was a distinction between writing and selling and maybe selling felt a little bit sleazy. And I still think that that's an issue. I got over that problem eventually, but I I still think that's an issue that people have when it comes to their idea. You know, they want to get somebody else to take care of sales or perhaps they believe their book or their their product that they're creating or their course is good enough to sell itself. So, So what would you say to those people? I mean, if you're struggling, then you're an idiot. You're literally accepting your, your stupidity if you're struggling. Yeah. Like in order to ask a girl out, you've got to ask her. In order to dance, you have to dance. 
in order to be in business, you, you must sell. There's no way around it. There's absolutely no way around it. So I did a little research on the history of selling from the 1800s to 2011. And 80% of sales material, roughly 80% of sales material that's been released is manipulative in nature. Like our entire origin, 80% of what I, what I could see the primary, the primary hallmarks of sales material, are, are, they're manipulative in nature. Like we've been conditioned historically, it's probably in our DNA that selling is manipulative. In the 1800s, Chinese workers sold oil to Europeans who were making railroads. And they told the Europeans that the oil would stop the pain. So they'd buy the oil and they'd put it on and they would not stop the pain. And so they started calling those Chinese workers snake oil salesmen. And that's where the term snake oil salesman came from, from people literally lying about their product. If you really don't like the word sales, selling is really about alignment. Alignment is, is such a precious thing to find. And that's when you align the real true desire of someone with what you have to offer. The business can be a very pleasurable place. Like You don't need to struggle in business. And you don't need to avoid selling either. You can embrace selling without shame. And you can rewrite historical conditioning and be one of the amazing people who doesn't even think that they're selling when they are. Because the highest level of selling is like uh, probably something like Elon Musk, where he's motivating humanity to go to Mars. He has a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool cause, you know? Like if you're doing a nonprofit, your ability to motivate people to enroll in that cause, that's a sales skill. I encourage people to look at the historical conditioning of sales and then embrace that we can rewrite that conditioning. Because if selling's about alignment, the fundamental of a business, there should be no struggle in business. None. There should be none. Like really. And here's how you can do that. If you have a very clear customer and you have a very clear result that they want, then you have a very clear mechanism that provides the result, the customer that wants that result, you will never have to worry. Because I've met very few, if any, businesses that I can recall that had a very clear customer, a very clear result, and a very clear mechanism that were struggling. When you talk to writers and they're like, you know, I'm writing a memoir or I'm writing about this. And I'm like, well, who's the customer for that? And I'm like, well, you know, well, you're in murky water, like dirty, murky water. And it's such an inspiring thing, man. Like business can be such a place of joy and such a place of pleasure. And it can really be an act of love. It's an incredible place to find yourself, to, to express yourself. If you just really adhere to the basics and do those super well, you can lace your personality through the whole thing. You don't have to change who you are to sell. You just need to look at the conditioning and the beliefs around selling and find a find a way that like make it your own. You don't have to you don't have to put yourself into a box and like ask stupid template questions like, oh, so you ready to get started today? What's it gonna take for you to get started? You don't have to do any of that. You can literally be yourself and express yourself in business. And more than anything, I just think it's such a gift to be able to use your voice and express your voice in the business world and express your voice in a way where people are captivated by what you have to say. And then they, they want to pay for what you're offering. And it's just a gift when that happens. It's a beautiful harmony. And to do that, you want to get a clear, very clear customer, a very clear result, and a very clear mechanism. And that can be in the weirdest places, man. You could have a very clear customer as a, a gray African parakeet owner, a bird. And the clear result is they want that parrot to stop pooping all over their house. And the clear mechanism is a, 
is a parrot trainer that you found at a local parrot shop that you brought your iPhone to and recorded some video lessons for that parrot trainer to teach. And you give that parrot trainer a 20% profit split on the sales of the business and all they have to do is teach. And now you're in business and you're not an expert. Now you can work two hours a day and just focus on selling. And then when you do, you're like looking to talk to great parrot, great African parakeet owners about their bird. And then like when your course gets the bird to stop pooping all over the house, you've really, really improved the world. Yep. But most of us are so narcissistic. We want to write about our topics and we want to create our own ideas. And to me, that's, that's borderline narcissism. And I think business should be a call to love. I think we should be doing business to serve. And of course, we want to be doing it in aligned, somewhat aligned interests. Like, you know, we don't, we're not going to bend over backwards or anything, but I really want people to know if they take anything away from this is that there doesn't need to be any struggle with making money. There doesn't need to be any struggle with business. It can be a very pleasurable place if you take the time to get clear on a few things. And making an extraordinary amount of money can become quite ordinary. That's good advice, Dana. The second part of what you said about outsourcing, what would you recommend somebody outsource first? Or what are the key areas that really move the needle? Outsource the mechanism. Outsource most of the mechanism if you can. Customer, you do that. You get clear on your cut. You don't have to. You could outsource that. But I'd focus on outsourcing mechanism. I'd focus on finding customers. I'd focus on talking to them about the results that they want. Then I would outsource mechanism. It's a beautiful life. Imagine, you know, you sit with pregnant women and they're like in their second trimester and you're like, so how are you doing? Well, you know, it's okay. And it's like, are you in stress? Uh, you have nausea. How are you doing? Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. it's like, is there any like result that you would want to have right now? Is there any improvement you'd like to have? Like anything different about your current situation? And, you know, they might say, you know, actually, I'd really like to be rid of this nausea. And I really don't, I don't really don't like this pregnancy nausea. And you say, okay, how would you like to do that? Is there a dream solution to that? You're like, well, you know, they say, you know, I'd, really, I'd like to take a droplet, like a droplet on my tongue or under my tongue to help with my nausea. And now you didn't have to come up with an idea. You didn't even have to come up with a product. They gave it to you. Yep. Now you go out to acupuncturists, you go out to naturopathic doctors, you ask them if they can make a potion of some kind, give them 20% of the profit, you're good to go. Outsource yep. the mechanism. Yeah, I've, I've spent some time interviewing uh, customers or students of courses I've created. It's, it's definitely worth you know, talking to the people that you, you want to serve. Uh, it's scary. It's scary too, right? It can be, yeah, because you find out that they, in my case, students want something different to what I might have wasted time creating. So that, that can be <laughs> a little bit off-putting. But uh, well, I did that plenty of times and um customer would tell me what they want and I'd be like, damn. <laughs> but then I'd go out and find the mechanism expert and that'd be okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good, good idea to find a product, well, from my experience, that people are already buying and see if you can create something similar, particularly if it's an online course or something with your own spin on it. One of the other ideas in, in your book is about building wealth and something you talk about, you have seven skills backed up by data that you, you need to build wealth. Would you be able to, to elaborate on one or two of those skills? Which one would you like to talk about? Which one did you like the best? I guess go with any, which, whichever one you feel resonates best with you or would resonate with creative people or maybe somebody who's just starting a business. Probably the skill of being a newbie. How can you be a newbie? Like being a newbie has an advantage. That's important. You know, experts like to focus on making sure they know things. Yep. Owners like to not know things. When I was starting my first business, I was like uh, 20s and I was helping real estate companies with recruiting real estate agents. I didn't have the foggiest clue how to do that. So what I did is I 
contacted real estate companies and asked them how they were doing it. And I found the best of what worked and I packaged it into a system and I was a facilitator. I was essentially a newbie. So in terms of being a newbie, I would just encourage people to experiment with. If you're a writer, try and write an article about something you don't know about and leverage others' expertise to write it if we're talking to writers. And then as you're writing that article, consider how the same thing could work for creating a money-making product. But if you wanted to make sure that everything you ever wrote for the rest of your life would be read and remembered, the same process is use the same process you would to find a killer product. For example, how to cure your nausea, pregnancy nausea in three steps, how to get your parrot to stop pooping everywhere in in one one simple training technique. We just wrote those because we had a clear customer. Yeah, I guess every book or article should start with an ideal reader in mind. Actually, you did ask me what skills stood out. It was the last one about how to make the biggest leaps. And you talk about how you took quantum steps about knowing where to spend your savings and where not to. So would you be able did to you describe... Like did you like that skill? Well, it just it reminded me of maybe some of the mistakes that I made with mindsets around money and investing when, when I was in my late 20s and I was out of work. And then more recently then when I started the business and what to do with, with profits from the business, you know, whether to take it as drawings or reinvest it in the business or to do something else with it. Um, certainly made mistakes, but, but sometimes you need to make a mistake to get to the, the next level, so to speak. I suppose one example will be you know, investing in the wrong types of outsourcing and it feel like an expensive mistake. But then you get somebody who was who who more skilled at the task and then you realize that was actually worth it after all. I'm happy you like that section. The short of that section is to buy courses online. Yep. Buy courses. You don't even need to take the course. You can just buy the course and get inside the Facebook group. I mean, my girlfriend asked me how to uh, start making a lot more money. She's like, how can I start making a lot more money? And I was like, oh, the way you do that is you find five women that are just crushing it and be their friend. And your brain will update so quickly to their way of thinking you'll start making more money. So one of the fastest ways to do that the people that buy courses are amazing to be around because they actively invest in themselves. They're like some of the best people to be around. And so she happens to be in a course of like uh, women that are starting like an online blogging business. So I told her to go on Facebook and post, what are your sales results been so far, women? Let's hear what you've been up to. And then the women would comment about like what they've done results-wise. And then the, the most successful students um, in there, she would private message and become their friend. Like courses is great. Like if you have, yeah, like I spent like $1,500 of like four grand or something I had. I maybe I have some four to eight grand. It made my stomach sick to buy it. But it was such an easy purchase. I spent $1,500 on a course and changed my life. Those courses are incredible. You're more interested in the community behind the course rather than necessarily the video lessons or, or materials inside of that course. Oh, yeah. I think people have it asked backwards about they buy stuff for the content and most folks are, uh, they're lost for a reason. It's not a tactic or technique that's holding you back. I'll tell you that much. It's not. Yeah. It's unusual to meet somebody who, who runs the courses because uh, you describe the Google AdWords course you took with Perry Marshall and then you got to meet him. How did that come about? Because most courses that I've taken, the instructor tends to be you know from around the world or maybe they're hard to reach unless you're actually paying for one-on-one coaching where you fly, well, fly over and meet them. So, so I suppose I'm curious about how, how you ended up getting to meet 
uh, Perry Marshall. For those that don't know him, he, he's like one of the kind of more high profile entrepreneurs who teaches selling Google AdWords and so on. Yeah, you know, we ended up becoming somewhat friends too. And it was an incredible uh, experience. I mean, I really trust my intuition when I buy a course. I don't really read the sales letter for the course. Like, I'm like, what's the general idea of this course? What's my intuition say? Let's do it. That's all I do. So with that course, I didn't buy it to meet Perry. I bought it because I loved Google AdWords. Like, I just loved it. I loved Google AdWords. I was like, guys, Google AdWords is so incredible. You know, I can write an ad targeted towards older people that want to find a relationship. Sexy senior singles online, you know? I could write ads for selling swimsuits. It was just like, I was like, oh my God, I can do anything with this. I, I got I got to learn about it. So I loved it and I bought it. And then it turned out there was like a, an event at the end of it. So I just went to the event. I also spent five grand recently on another course. And that course is by a gentleman named Alex Becker. And that guy is just a fierce business dude. And like, I tremble a little bit. <laughs> I'll just like, I'll get on those Zoom calls and I'll like raise my hand and get personal time with him in front of everybody. And, <laughs> you know, you can get access to the guy if you want. That's the sales course or an advertising course. It's about how to sell courses with YouTube ads. Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. But you think about it, but you think about it, right? Like, you know, yeah. you buy a course and then you like, or if you're not very proactive about it, but like, I buy it, I get on the Zoom, I ping Alex, I, I raise my hand, I ask if I can ask a question. Like talking to Alex, I've probably asked three or four questions to Alex and it's changed my life every time I have. Yeah. A lot of people who take courses actually don't engage with them. So I guess that that would set you apart from some of the students. One of the things he told me, for example, was, Dane, quit trying to sell people your values. People don't want to buy your values. So what do they want to buy? The result. The result. (laughs) They want to buy the parrot that doesn't poop. (laughs) Yes. Yes. They want that result. I mean, think about it poop on your floor. It would be nasty. Yeah. Like the result is the holy grail, like an electric car, you know, that's a pretty cool result. Car that doesn't need maintenance. And something slightly different. Do you still believe with everything that's happening at the moment? And I'm sure this crisis will pass, but being an employee is riskier than being an entrepreneur. It, It really depends. If you don't have any sales skills or even like like if you've never been to like Fiverr.com or Upwork.com or Elance.com and like had anybody do something for you, if you've never had the experience of outsourcing and you've never sold anything and you're an employee in this current climate, I would be reticent to... Uh, I think that might just bring up a tremendous amount of fear yeah. for someone. And that fear alone could be quite paralyzing. For someone like me who has taken the time to build the skills that I need, this is one of the best environments you could ever imagine. Because for example, like if you know what you're doing, you can do so well right now. One of my friends has like converted their gym to a virtual gym membership. He's like signing up like 20 members a week now. And he used to only sign up four a week to his physical gym. And now he's signing 20 up. His business is literally more than 4X grown because of coronavirus. Virtual like, gym. Yeah, I'm in the gym and they, they post workouts to us using an app. But how is the virtual gym working? Is it videos or, or something else? Group, group Zoom workouts. Groups, that's fantastic. I like that's brilliant. <laughs> that's I'm really telling great. you, like, this, is a great, this is a great time. Like, yeah. If you've got some balls, this is a great time. Yeah. 
like a really, really good time. The survival brain is really creative. Like if, if you're if you're like gonna die, like the survival brain will do like anything to not die. Yeah. But if you don't have anything to trigger that survival brain, you're not gonna have much creative juice from the survival brain. But when you get the survival brain online, well, in my opinion, I think I think some people could do a lot of stupid things with the survival brain on. What I'm talking about is like you become infinitely resourceful. This is gonna force innovation. I'm so excited to see what people make because of this situation and build. I saw um, Jimmy Kimmel with the, like the Late Show. He did a Late Show on Zoom and like posted it to YouTube, and it was a cool. I watched it. I was like, "This is amazing!" Like, I got to see him at his house. I got to see his little girls. His wife was holding the camera. Really cool. This is a wonderful time. Now, imagine. Let's say, for example, the value of a business. This is really hard for a lot of people to wrap their head around. It's, it's, it's still sometimes me maybe even often me, but the value of a business, I definitely still struggle with this. And this is still what's true. I think it's true. The value of a business is in the alignment and selling system that you have created around the product, not the product. Like the product's 5%, 10%, maybe, maybe in the best case, 25%. Like if you have an iPhone, 25% of the value of the business. But it's in the selling system. It's in the client alignment and selling system. It's in the first landing page they see. It's in the email autoresponder sequence they see. It's in the sales page that they see that sells the product. It's in all the customer testimonials that you have written. It's in all the advertisements that you have going around the internet to sell said product. Like if you have the parrot training thing, the parrot thing is probably, you know, you got like you go to a parrot store and you say, hey man, do you have like a four or five step method to get a parrot to stop pooping around the house? And the guy's like, yeah, absolutely. And so you do it with an iPhone, he teaches it on the iPhone, and you've got like maybe four 10-minute videos. And if that gets a parrot to stop pooping, someone will pay for it. And that's only four 10-minute videos. Now you've got to write a video that sells it that then goes in front of every parrot training video that people are looking at on YouTube. So you got to write that video script. You got to post it on YouTube. You got to run ads to that. You got to track the clicks from the ads to the landing page. You got to track the landing page to the email opt-in. You got to track the email opt-in to the sales letter. You got to track the sales letter to the sale. That stuff is where the lion's share of your time is. So think about this. The gym owner, if you wanted to make money right now, for example, like brand new, if you wanted a brand new way to make money, you could take that gym idea and contact gym owners and ask them if they would like help turning themselves into a virtual gym and that you could help them run ads. And then you could go to Amazon and you could pick up a book on Facebook advertising, tell them it's your first time doing this, your first client, so you won't even charge them anything, but you're going to follow proven practices to do it. And now you've got a client you work for for free. You get a result with that guy and then you charge... I had one gym owner say he paid 16 grand to put together a selling system for his gym. 16 grand. Like he paid $16,000. Yeah. Just for the selling system. Yeah, I must let my the gym I'm in know about that idea. Finally, Dane, do you have or did you have while you're writing this book an ideal early morning routine? Yeah, I definitely I definitely followed a schedule when I when I crank this thing out. I follow James Patterson's writing schedule. This one, um, he wakes up at six AM and he goes and writes right away for an hour and a half, six to seven thirty. Then he takes a half hour break for breakfast with his family, seven thirty yeah. to eight. So he's got a half hour. Not many people have breakfast for a half hour. You get a full half hour with his family for breakfast. Then from 8 to 9.30, he writes for another hour and a half. From 9.30 yeah. to 10, he spends that time with his wife. 
for a half an hour. Then from 10 to 11.30, he writes for an hour and a half. At 11.30, he has lunch with his wife for a half an hour. Then at 12, he writes from 12 to 1.30. And then from 1.32, he takes a break with his wife again for a half hour. And then at two o'clock, he does an hour and a half of uh, like admin work and stuff at, from two to three thirty. Yeah, I mean that's a killer schedule. Like, like that's like six, got, six hours of uh, creative time. Six hours of pure writing. Yeah, and an hour and a half with your family every day during the day. Yeah. and you're not checking email. You're not checking phone calls until two. Come on, that's, that's a great schedule. I gotta do it again. I'm inspiring myself all over again. <laughs> That's the way, the way to do it, all right. I did that. It, it worked. And it worked. And it was really cool. And like in two weeks, I wrote most of this thing, most of the book. Yeah, I was actually thinking of Dan Brown. I think he, I saw him speak a few years ago and he described getting up at 4 a.m. because there was no email. He also likes to hang from the roof on gravity boots. But I, <laughs> I don't know why I recommend that. <laughs> so, Dan, where can people find out more information about you or Start From Zero? Well, I'd ask people not to buy the book just check out the excerpt and see if they like that. Yeah. If they like the excerpt, then check out the book. Because I'm not, not for everyone, as you can probably tell by the most of this interview. <laughs> uh, so that's startfromzero.com to get the excerpt. Well, yeah, actually, um, if you go to startfromzero.com, yep. you, can actually, you can actually get my book completely free in video yep. form, if you, if you prefer that. Some people you can will, listen, yeah. You can listen to the book on a... We put like 17... To 25 grand into creating the book as a video course and giving it away free. It's a great idea. People like to consume information in different ways. I like your cover as well. It's, it's, it's yellow and green and ha- has big bold letters like a business book. Anyway, it's great to talk Thanks. to you today, Dan. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you did, please leave a rating on the iTunes store. And if you want to accomplish more with your writing, please visit becomearitertoday.com forward slash join and I'll send you a free email course. Thanks for listening.